You're tuned in to The Show on the Road, a new podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and musicians from around the world. My name is Zach Lupitan. This week on the show, my conversation with a booming-voiced country gospel trickster from Tyler, Texas, who is never far away from controversy and chaos on and off the bandstand, Paul Cowthon. One of the best decisions I've made this year, I think, is to actually put down my guitar and just get out my microphone and wander around Americana Fest in Nashville at this crazy weekend they do in September. The sheer amount of talent walking around the streets in the 95-degree heat, it's staggering. And in many ways, I feel like it's my duty to do what Alan and John Lomax did. Those guys were the founding fathers of anthropological field recording. With their cumbersome reel-to-reels walking from churches to cotton fields to tenement houses, they helped discover America's bedrock music. It's said that Muddy Waters had never heard the sound of his own voice until he stood listening to it out in the sun. And then he took the train to Chicago and started making the blues that we know today. Paul Cawthon is one of those larger-than-life heroes hiding in plain sight. A lot of my own friends in Nashville haven't heard of him, but those who know about him really know about him. And despite still donning a high cowboy hat above his towering frame, he is so much more than a country music singer. I believe he has recently taken a sonic quantum leap with his newest record, Room 41, written in a state of near madness while he was holed up in a strange hotel in Dallas after a devastating breakup that almost broke more than his heart and his spirit. The result is what I think is one of the most sublimely groovy and truly weird albums of the decade, slyly subverting what we know as roots music with a dance hall pop disco groove that would make Michael Jackson and Lady Gaga blush. I can't even describe what this guy does, so I should just let the music do the talking as usual. The brawling bars from Dallas to Dayton may know him as Big Velvet, but here, let's just call him Paul Cowthon. Roll up to the club. My 1964 caddy straight ready to stunt At a quarter to one Just a looking for fun I said a twist for me baby Hit a rip for me baby Take another shot get lit for me baby Ooh, It's a quarter to two What you wanna do Country Country I think a bit of cocaine, country dancing will do. Do you call it egg pie or do you call it quiche in the South? Well, quiche. <laughs> so uh, we're in this weird, what is this, resale <laughs> shop, back room of a hotel in Nashville? I have no clue. This place has got some different rooms. It's Fieldhouse Jones is what it's called. And they've been so nice to set us all up. But um, it's been some, there's some different little nooks and crannies and you're like, where the hell am I? But you're, you're definitely familiar with the strange hotel life. Mm-hmm. Because that's sort of what Room 41 came out yeah. of, that Belmont Hotel in Dallas, right? Yes, sir. And I, I just started really diving into the record over the last week or so, and it is out there, man. <laughs> I was telling your your tour manager that it's like if if Quincy Jones was producing Thriller with Johnny Cash. <laughs> Fuck yes, that's what I want to hear. We were on the plane coming into Nashville yesterday, and uh, this gal who was traveling with me, I was like, "You got to listen to this Big Velvet song. Look at this guy's picture." With a cowboy hat. Now listen to this song. And she's like, wait, what? Because <laughs> there's a lot of, like, disco vibes going on. We were going for, like, Daft Punk meets Dr. Dre meets Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash. You know, we didn't give a shit. We still don't. Where did that sound idea come from? Was it sort of a, an organic thing, or did you start sort of plotting no, it out? totally an organic thing. I just, it was the type of producers and people that were involved um, kind of just put their filter on it. I had a guy from Def Jam Records um, putting all the automations in the low end. and It's a very expansive record. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of just pop gloss that really, like... 
yeah. comes out of nowhere, that but really, then it feels natural somehow. For sure. Uh, we were just, we were wanting it to be edgy and poppy and wanting it to um, really have a flair to it that nobody else is doing. We wanted to take from all genres we loved and let it just kind of be its own new thing, kind of standalone record. And I was so sick of being put in a mold of you're a gospel or you're this or you're that or you're... Yeah, because your record, My Gospel 2016, right, has this sort of hint of the the bigger things to come, maybe genre-wise, but it mm-hmm. is rooted in sort of secular church music in a way and Texas roadhouse honky-tonk stuff, but it really feels like you were looking ahead to this record almost even then. Yeah, man. You know, we were always, we always knew, Bo and I, especially Bo Bedford, my main producer, we always knew we were going to have like a three or four record process to be able to actually develop the sound we want. Is that at Modern Electric in, yeah. in Dallas? Modern Electric Sound Recorders in Dallas, owned by Jeff Sines. It's S-A-E-N-Z. And uh, he uh, had it really in tip-top shape when we were using it and abusing it. And... Uh, we were there for a minute. We decided, hey, let's get a different change of scenery, change the environment up. So we went up to Fort Worth and hung out with Austin Jenkins and all the guys that did like Leon Bridges record, mm. Josh Block and Chris Vivian. Those guys are badass and brought the Dallas sound. The Nile City. Yeah. My question is, being a naive Californian by way of Chicago, yeah. The difference between the Fort Worth sound and the Dallas sound, which you talked about, there's a lot. It's what, thirty miles across? Yeah, Not it's even? thirty-five minutes. Thirty-five well, minutes. Thirty-five. But 30 the sound is totally away. different. Totally different sounds. How did that happen? Two different engineers, different filters. Everybody's got their filter, like a musician. But like historically, is there a yeah. different sound there? Man, it's they go classic at Niles. Mm. Super classic sounding. Mm. Um, modern, kind of the same way, but it, but you've got like Jason Burt, who's a you know Def Jam artist, producer, that is working out of modern. Mm-hmm. It just flips the place upside down, with you know modulars and different synths and different beats and making like just starting a song from a different an approach. Yeah. Like, I'd have lyrics and everything, and then all of a sudden, he'd come in the next day, and he'd have a beat. Yeah. And we were spitting that fucking lyric on a beat, like a rapper. Which song? You know, like, Freak Like Me. Yeah. And, or Freak. I was going to call it Freak Like Me, but <laughs> I guess it didn't work. I guess, I guess the team didn't want it like that. But, uh, yeah. That one, like, we just took a different approach to the songs. It's crazy. We just, I mean, I'd have... A guitar riff, and then Jason would send me a chorus, and then I'd send another thing over to Bo, or you know, and we were just the egos were out of the room, and we were just going for it at how, all times. How's the chorus go for Freak again? No, Freak like me. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's the story about being in jail, and we're all freaks, you know, freaks like me. The Smith County Jail. Yeah, Smith County. Was it a pleasant thing. jail or an unpleasant jail? Is there such People a thing? People were super nice. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't think any jail's pleasant, but they, uh, you know, they treated their inmates correctly, I guess. I mean, they yelled and screamed, but... How long did you have to stay in there? Uh, I got a 180-day sentence and did, like, 90. Three months. That'll change your perspective a bit. Yeah. Sure did. It was crazy. The last two weeks I was there, I got a new celly, and I had, and I was up. I woke up, and there's a guy on my top bunk. It's my friend from preschool. Really? Like a old, old friend. And we just, I remember just seeing him. You're from where, Tyler? Yeah, Tyler. I remember seeing him. We just hugged, man. I was like, oh my god. That is a small. I'm sorry. Story. We're like, you're in jail, but. <laughs> If there was anybody that I had to be fucking roommates with, I'm glad it's you. <laughs> like, That's like the universe playing a strange joke on yeah, everyone. Yeah, big old joke. I was at the end of my time, and he was starting his. 
So I was just prepping him, be like, dude, it's all good, you know, stay clear of this, don't do this, try to do this, make sure when this happens, be here or there, <laughs> yeah. you know, just giving, giving some tips, some hints, I guess. Is it like the cliques of high school in prison? But worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's black, white, and any, any other race is in their own category. Like we had a black tank, a white tank. Tank? And then tank. Like 26 people can stay in a tank. That's what it's called. Like the bigger cells. Bigger, bigger cells. Yeah. But then you got bottom bunk, top bunk. So that's your celly, whoever's top, you know, bottom. Okay. And yeah, that totally uh, segregated. I mean, does it actually make you makes want you to feel not do what you did before or is it sort of just a hardening of your personality well it hardened my personality and what I got caught for was a fucking joint you know we were seniors in high school 180 days yeah and then I revocated my probation so it's like East Texas they're gonna fucking make a example out of you boy yeah, what they did is just ripped everybody's scholarship and ruined a lot of people's lives by sending people. Uh, and it's all going to be legal in like five years. Yeah, we're looking at 2007 when this went down. Yeah, so back in the Stone Age. Back in the Stone Age, when you, when you were getting stoned, it was bad. What was growing up in Tyler like? Like growing up being the uh, belt buckle of the Bible Belt. You know, you're the shiny little star right there, belt buckle, shining big. Did you go to church as a kid? Yeah, it was pretty much beat into me. Your folks are religious? Oh, yeah. Grandparents, 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 grandparents were there with Jesus. So, well, you have that song about your grandfather, right? Uh, Lay Me Down? Yeah. Yeah. What was your relationship to him? He was everything to me. He was basically my dad. And... Um, he taught me a lot about perspective and uh, my legacy, loyalty to, to your, you know, family and friends, and just kind of embedded a lot of uh, morality. Did he sing? Oh yeah, he was a big singer, big singer in the church, gospel singer. Mm. Yeah, grandmother put an ultimatum on him back in the '50s. Says you can either do that. Gospel church, you can either do the gospel church and have me, or you can go and corral with all your buddies and go do this rock and roll shit by yourself. My granddad chose my grandmother, and I'd have probably done the same because my grandmother's a gem. So, is it is it all Texas down the line, both sides of the family? Yeah, my grandmother was West Texas, kind of Odessa, Permian Basin, and she lived in Hobbs, New Mexico, too, growing up. Her daddy was an old man. He was just going from well to well, selling drill bits. And my, my granddad's fifth fifth generation Texan, so I'm sixth generation pretty much Texan. And my dad's side is all Texas, but then via Montgomery, Alabama. It's crazy. My, my dad's dad went to school with Hank Williams in Montgomery. Hmm. And then my mom's dad was out in the 50s with Buddy Holly in the crickets. Oh, wow. So it's like two of the gems of the earth and music. They were kind of, my granddad told me stories about when Hank, we'd see Hank Williams shoe shining with all the black guys, all the black kids. Hmm. And Hank Williams would shine shoes too to make hmm. money in the beginning, under eight years old, like grade school. Yeah. So your relationship with your grandfather is much stronger than your relationship with your dad? Um, no, my dad and I are good as well, but my granddad and I just had a connection. Yeah. My granddad never had any, and never had a son. Mm. So he had, you know, he had a couple girls, and then, and then we had my cousins, who, all five of them are girls, and the two sisters, and, you know, all the gals. What did he do for a living? He uh, built churches, was architect, builder, mm. and... Uh, Built churches all over the United States, and Hawaii, and all over. All, all over. You ever sing that song, uh, Working on a Building? <laughs> yeah, I've heard it. I would sing it, but my my granddad was, he was passionate about that art 
form as well, like building and architecture. He loved Frank Lloyd Wright, and he was funky. When did you get that lightning strike that you had to be someone who writes songs and sings? My granddad passed away when I was 10, and I was just so damn sad and defeated. Mm. And I picked up a guitar, the guitar he gave me. I went to the back porch, and I started picking a song. And a song that you wrote or a song? Wrote, yeah, I wrote a song for my granddad. Wow. Yeah, it's well, called Jim. Never really sang it for anybody, so it's just kind of one of those that was personal and actually I realized that it helped me cope. Mm. And so I knew that even if I'm not going to be a big singer or songwriter, that this works as a tool for me to be able to, you know, get through the lows and peaks in the valleys, you know, so this whole, whole thing was beautifully, uh, I understood mm. at a young age that a song or writing or an art form could actually be a medicine. Mm. In many ways, you know, your new record, Room 41, feels like a, almost a musical exorcism of sorts, where you're cleansing this stuff from your past and you're going through the grieving of a of a pretty hard breakup you know you were yeah. you were gonna get married mm -hmm. and, and it all sort of fell apart and you find yourself in this hotel you know did those songs get you through like medicine or was it a thing where you had to make your own medicine they definitely the songs pulled me out of it like it was the only thing that was gonna save me it was just totally uh, almost going mad in your songs mm. and just like fucking letting it overtake you and just your arm was all, only thinking about that and I felt like you know Beethoven in his later years pulling his hair out have you ever seen those documents <laughs> like the what there was like a reenactment of Beethoven that I watched like in grade school and he's yeah. just walking around like putting pulling his, his hair out putting his hair to the floor and all this shit you know I just felt like everything was blind like everything was not in high definition right. and just music and a guitar was the only thing that was crisp right. like 1080p you know <laughs> so it's right. like it was the only thing that could actually give me clarity so definitely pulled me out of the gutter let me ask you this. If you found yourself on another planet, you woke up, you were on Mars, okay, and a group of alien creatures had gathered around you, handed you a guitar, give us something to represent your people and Earth, <laughs> what song would you play them? So they wouldn't kill you and eat you, you know? Probably Grand Central from my first record. All right. How's that song go? If I get to heaven, I've got to roll me some sevens, because right now my ticket's punch for hell. You rage and fade, miss plenty Sundays, but right now, Lord, I'm willing. And if you can give me some help, and it's like, I, ride, I like to ride the lightning, but they ain't gonna hang me from a tree, because the things I done ain't hurt no one. The only one that's, that's hurting is me. Oh. So, just tell them. Please don't kill me. Here's this song. Yeah. <laughs> if I get to hell, I better roll me some sevens. Right now my ticket's punched for hell. You're raging vain. I miss too many Sundays. Lord, if you hear me, I could surely use some help. Oh man, I've never been asked that. I've been asked if you could take a record to, to the moon, what record would it be? Yeah. But not like, what what would you play for the aliens? That's pretty cool to think about. <laughs> I would probably shit in my pants, like, to be honest. Um, bunch of ETs, like I'm just seeing the glow of Spielberg film, you know, just like all surrounding yeah. all the smoke coming up and it's just me with an So, Like, why am I here? I've played gigs that felt like that though before in my life feels like you're bunch just playing to a bunch of aliens that don't care how do you keep yourself from 
getting angry or dispirited when you're in front of a crowd that clearly does not give a fuck. That's Man, the hardest thing for me. I just, I, uh, I just enjoy it for myself. Let it be selfish. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the music with by yourself mm-hmm. if it gets like that. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it with the band, your guys that are up there. Y'all enjoy it for them. You know? Do you feel like you're in another sort of realm sometimes when you're on stage, like where the oh yeah. was playing in front of a veil and it's yeah, just I feel you like, and the music? I feel like my, all my spark plugs are really hitting and I feel like I'm overtaken sometimes. I feel like, like my soul's abducted. It's weird. Sometimes it'll jar you. You'll like snap out of a haze mm. and you've sang four songs already and you're like, yeah. what in the fuck just happened? And that's happened a couple, like more times than not. It's kind of like an out-of-body experience sometimes. And you're trying to stay more or less sober. Right yeah, now. like, no, not, not, not sober at all, but I just don't let myself just go down that hole of just staying drunk yeah. or staying wild or doing a bunch of blow and getting all crazy, you know? Is there a certain place that you need to be before you get on stage? No. Near some weed or, you know, maybe a little glass of wine or something, but, you know. I feel um, like there's a right amount of <laughs> semi-intoxication that is like the yeah. sweet spot. Like a, you know, yeah, a glass good little of wine. glass of wine and a little couple rips of a J, not too much to get your voice all riled. But, you know, just a little, little, uh, little herbal courage. <laughs> it's my next uh, EP, Herbal Courage. <laughs> Have you felt recently that your persona, this big velvet persona, yeah. has sort of become larger than you? Oh, yeah. That was the whole plan on it, because it's not me. Big Velvet, and this, all this shit was me at a moment in time, but it's not who I want me, me to be. But uh, this persona and this thing is, I don't know, it's kind of like my Ziggy Stardust, mm. you know? It's just like, it's just an art form, and it's, I didn't want people to just look at the word Paul Cawthon and think about just these crazy songs. You know, I wanted them to know that that wasn't that was me in a moment and mostly everybody called me in in that moment big velvet because i was just wild raucous boisterous freaking all over the place guy and the guy at a taco shop came up to me and said you know what you are man he said you're big velvet oh he named you oh yeah where was that was at a taco shop in dallas Mm. little taco spot so by the belmont and i was like damn well, well, that might stick. And then people, you know, I put, they call me Big Velvet on my Instagram and then it was over. <laughs> Once it's on Instagram, it's... Oh, it's official. It's real life. Yeah, man. But that song, Big Velvet, has this almost, yeah, there's the disco vibe, there's the Pink Floyd money yeah. kind of uh, disaffected but tongue-in-cheek look at me and what I'm fucking doing. Yeah, exactly. Nobody, yeah. yeah, it's a very, it's, it's not narcissistic, but it's just like a fucking, it's like what Hank Jr. would say or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, ain't nobody ready for the real Big Velvet. It's like, you really want this wild-ass shit? We'll give it to you. Because none of y'all promise you're ready for it. It's going to get really loud <laughs> since it's like a little bit too early in the morning and it's been a lot of late night craziness yeah. in nashville i think instead of performing that song which is impossible because it has such lush instrumentation yeah. is there a way for you to do the first verse and chorus in like slam poetry style yeah because i think that would be really interesting cool. to hear. let's try it heartless Reckless, there's a devil on my shoulder and he's doubling down, throwing his weight all over town. Stable, off the table. I've been shrugging off redemption for Judgment Day. Threw it all out before I held it. Now you're about to get the real big velvet. Heartless, reckless. There's a devil on my shoulder and he's doubling down, throwing 
Trouble with the women. You can't walk in a room that I ain't been in. If we hadn't hooked up, we might be friends. Cocaine, meet tequila. We'll do the twist till the morning comes. Run my veins till I go numb. I threw it all out before I held it. Now you're gonna meet the real Big Velvet. Who is the real Big Velvet? That, you know, he's, it's me kind of in that out of body experience. Uh, just kind of just reckless, you know, uh, scandalous, fucking <laughs> riot of a human. Well, there's that intro to your video, the cocaine country dancing, where I'm you're talking giving to yourself a pep talk. Oh, yeah, that's Cadillac. all pretty much that's happened. And you're like, why am I not famous? And what are mom and grandma going to think about this? Exactly. And then you talked about when that song came out, like, now I have to tell them what this song is Dude, it from. Was exactly. They're, you know. My mom would not be pleased. But my then mom and she my... She would like the song were, anyway. Probably. They liked the song, but, you know, I had to tell them, you know, it's about dancing. It's not about doing cocaine, you know. I mean, they know that I've dabbled and had my fun. But... Uh, yeah, my dad didn't talk about it much. He kind of <laughs> kept quiet on it. He's like, and, um, what is this, uh, this cocaine song? <laughs> yeah. That's not really uh, based on true experiences. Uh, yeah, right? it definitely is. But I'm not telling people in the world to go do it. It's not the, not the move. But uh, sure as hell, go cut a rug and enjoy some dancing all the time, as much as you can. I think that helps the spirit if you can just let yourself go. I saw this article a couple years ago about it's like what the modern music fan could really give to hardworking touring artists right now. Because there's a lot of discussion of like how do you keep this possible? You know, when you don't really get record sales, you know, you're getting It's a live show. Right. So the live show, but also people giving themselves as an audience, which sometimes you take for granted, but it feels a lot of times where audiences don't know how to be audiences, right? They forget that it's a giving circle. their body and their soul to you helps Needs the to be music reciprocal. come out. Yeah, because yeah. it's so disheartening when you are playing, even to a packed crowd, and you can feel the deadness and the Oh, it happens, or feel the them. clatter of the beer, beer bottles and... The, that about 20 dB of just chatter. It's like dancing and feeling one with the music is the best thing you can yeah. do for Austin, an artist. Austin, Texas is really good at that. They fucking dance their asses off and there's beer being spilt and that's what I like. What's your favorite place to play? Oh, Red Rocks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably number one. <laughs> it's fucking insane. They were dancing their asses off there. Whole fucking 10,000 of them just fucking. Rocking them. When did you play that? Played it with Cody Jinks back in June or July. It's got to be a bucket list thing. Oh, 100%. Dude. The notches on this belt I'm wearing. <laughs> I mean, Colorado audiences for me are always somehow still 100% engaged. They fucking care. Yeah. They want it's like to a dance. Thing that they have they to want do. to groove. Yeah. They want to do that Wookiee wobble. You know, yeah. you never, you've seen it. You've probably yeah. done it. Yeah, and we all have. But they just want to let go. Yeah. Like, that's what music It's a letting go of all this, oh, my God, somebody's going to look at me for shaking my ass. Right. <laughs> that's what I, would, I was hoping this record would do to people. Just let people fucking just dance. And one is we were going for a dance record, mm. you know, because I, I love to dance. We love to dance. Hell, there's not enough music making me dance. That like that Daft Punk record that Pharrell did with those guys. One of those like lose yourself to dance, yeah. lose yourself to dance, all that shit. Come on, 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 dude. Just like all the production was insane. 
do you feel like there's we this... a and b those songs yeah. like get lucky with our big velvet like mm. in the studio we're mm. a and b in that shit mm. like we're not a and b in a chris christopherson record yes yeah. love it but dude yeah. we were like fucking morning phase back you know, mm-hmm. we were playing that when I wanted to hear my vocal. I was like, I want it to hit, like, turn away mm. on morning phase. Like, turn, turn away. It's just beautiful. Like, there's so many things that we did while making this record that was, you would, people were like, you know, like it when they call me Big Papa. Fucking, we were throwing in, you know, Biggie Smalls and shit. You know, it's like, how are you not, translating that to the live show? Fucking bringing it like a hip hop artist would on a mic mm. and be ruthless and like don't care. Mm. Fucking don't give a shit anymore. Mm. I'm over caring. <laughs> no, I'm never will care again on stage. I'm just going to let it all go mm. and perform and really embody the spirit. You know? Do you feel like you've been able to process things in a healthy way? And now your next record, whatever that is, is that going to look like a totally different thing? Oh, yeah. I, I was last night after we spun the last song of our, our record at this record release party, um, Bo and I went back into the parking lot and I showed him some demos and we're all fucking psyched on what we're about to do. So it's, it's exciting. I've written another 50 or 100 songs, so... Fifty or a hundred? Somewhere in there. Somewhere in between. I don't keep count anymore, but definitely between there. There's a number between fifty and one hundred, and that's how many songs. But do they come out fully formed or you stack sort I of stack ideas? and uh I won't call it finished till it's finished, but um yeah, man, I'll take a hook that I'll have or a piano line or you know, something or other. Man, I'm gonna have to use the restroom. Can we hold up for a minute? Let's return, and then when he gets back, before he gets back, we're going to play a track from his new record, You Pick It. What song would you like us to hear? Freak. Play that song. Play the freak. And Play that freak. Be, be right back. Out there in East Texas, you get pulled over and you have that devil's lettuce on you. You get thrown behind the big wall. Meet a lot of characters there in jail. Let me tell you about it. Rough and rowdy, tall and mean. Them red and blues, they're taking me down the county on Elm Street. All the freaks, beach washing dishes. They're serving me Three square meals and a place to sleep Clearing my mind On the inside with all the freaks Freaks like me Strip mall had an itch till the law broke his fall. Six months in jail, no one to call. He's just a freak. A freak like me. A freak like me. Tell us something about it, Austin. Oh, dude. 
Well, I finish my time singing my songs. Tip jars out, come sing along. Whether on the inside or out here free, ain't no hiding from a freak like me. From a freak like me. stage where you had to go to the bathroom the most oh god has I, there been any close calls no they worse there it's happened i have shat my pants on stage at, i mean it, it occurs at waterloo at point. waterloo records during south by southwest singing the high note of my gospel <laughs> yeah totally about during that specific note during that note the hard the hard the brown note it was definitely the brown note and it happened. I told my, like, we had three more songs to play, and I told I'd look, turn around my drummer. My drummer saw the frightening, scared baby puppy eyes that I had, <laughs> was giving the whole band. I was like, this is over after this. He was like, what? And I said, I shit myself. And then he just loses it laughing. And then the whole band's just laughing at me. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was awful. It was very bad. Then, what's crazy, I had to ditch the undies, clean myself up, go wash up, wash my hands, and come back, and then have to sign autographs. <laughs> so I was like, if you even only knew that I just shat myself on stage, I'm trying to just get through this. And uh, But I washed up. I was very sanitary. And you just ditch the undies, you know, at that point. It's good for the fans to truly know. Hey, it's happened. And yeah. I bet you there's other singers where it's happened. But, yeah, I crap myself. I had been drinking too much whiskey that week. You know, the old saying, the whiskey shits. Probably had Everyone them. knows that. Yes. Yeah. It was real. It was, it was not something I like to talk about, but I think we should talk about it. And the people should know that, yes, I'm human. And I tend to probably crap myself once every two years. And it's been like that, you know, if I can go three years, it's a freaking masterpiece of a feat. But uh, there was a time I just feel like it's going to be more often the older I get now. We're reaching, you know. Well, the whiskey decreases a little bit. Maybe it'll go every three years. Yes, exactly. If uh, you could play your own festival that you created, this is my favorite question I like to ask. Five artists, dead or alive, who would you book and where would it take place? Anywhere in the world, money is no object. Um, five artists that are alive. Well, Elvis, Patsy Cline, Aretha Franklin, Muddy Waters, John Coltrane and Miles Davis doing a thing. Okay, those are the dead ones. Let's do five alive ones now. Um, alive. I just wouldn't throw one. I'm just <laughs> kidding. No. <laughs> um, uh, man, I, I would say probably Willie Nelson because I just love Willie. Uh, I would have said Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers because it's the best damn show I've ever seen. But uh, he's dead. Um, I love uh, Tyler Childers. Mm. He's a friend. Um, Margot Price. Mm. She's great. Authentic. Real. Um, Nikki Lane. Mm. Love her. She stood in front of me last night at the uh, Basement East, and I couldn't see because her hat was so big. Yeah, that's Nikki. You definitely found her. Like her hat was twice the size of her. 
Oh yeah, she if she runs fast enough, she'll lift off the ground. <laughs> that hat's like fucking wings. Yeah, it's like a sail. <laughs> She's great though. She's sassy and real and just like authenticity. It's really what kind of gets me going. Mm. It's not about if you're an arena band or whatever. It's mm. like that the person that's up there is actually singing mm. shit that means something to them. Mm. Yeah. Where would it take place, this festival? Texas. Probably in the winter months, though. Mm. It's fucking hot. I'd probably do it down, down near a little place called Hondo, Texas, near San Antonio. Mm. Got a buddy who has a big old ranch down there. And then I'd, you know, we'd just have a big old party. And everybody'd stay on this big old piece of land, and then we'd go catch a bunch of fish the next morning. And, like, have it, like, outdoors and... Mm. Like fishing and hunting and and like cooking mm. and playing music like that's and drinking. <laughs> We're gonna do a creative exercise and then I'm gonna let you go because right. you have many things to do. We have here the Atlantic Magazine. Okay. We're gonna go at random, and I'm gonna give you a phrase, and you're going to without thinking, tell me something from your life that it reminds you of. Space age ears. Tripping mushrooms with my buddies out in a little piece of land called Redland in uh, off 31 in Tyler, Texas. My buddy Ricky and my buddy Moses and a bunch of hippies. And there was this one area that was like, in, they used to like have a landfill. And we would just go trek around with headlamps on and feel like I was totally in space when I was doing that. There's this great show on Netflix called Explained. Have you seen any of those? Mm -hmm. And they just do like 25-minute sort of science little explaining things, basically. Yeah. But there's a whole thing on psychedelics that just came out <coughs> yeah. about these studies showing that uh, was it psilocybin. Psilocybin. You can tell it. I haven't done it. It really has shown that it can completely reverse depression alcoholism, yeah, you, if smoking used, addiction, within just a couple doses. Yeah, microdosed. It shows that it can basically create new connections in the brain that weren't there. Definitely can. You know? It's crazy to think about, but it's a real thing. Uh, and real LSD 2.5, if you can find real LSD, is this, does the same thing. That's why all the Beatles and all those guys are yeah. doing that, because I've done real LSD before, not just some research chemical from a hippie that's throwing shit together in this bathtub. Yeah. You know, and that'll make you freaking see Satan and like bleed your brain out for three days. That's why I don't touch any of it anymore because it's not real. Yeah. Um, if I knew it was controlled, and same with psilocybin, you do not know if this one mushroom cap has a lot of psilocybin in it or it's got a, a little bit. So that's why I don't really do hallucinogens anymore because yeah. you cannot monitor yeah. how high you're going to get. That's what's tough about it. That's the tricky part because everybody's different. Some people can take two capsules of this powdery shit that is a broken down mushroom and then I don't feel it. And the other person is frying yeah. their literal balls off. So it's like, you don't, that's the problem with mushrooms. There's you, this part of the episode where the, the guy who discovers the compound LSD in Switzerland, this Albert Hoffman, he tests it on himself. Yeah, he spilt it on himself and then he went on a bike ride. He biked home yeah. and then he started. In his little notebook, he's like marking down what's happening oh, yeah. hour by hour. And he took a double dose, he took a basically. Insane yeah. amount of dose. They said that <laughs> he's, he's like almost he's like, probably perma fried himself. He's like, total crisis. You know, and he's like trying to write it down in his little notebook at home. And his wife's like, what's the matter with you, dude? Yeah. The old Albert Hoffman, he just stumbled upon it. Okay, next phrase breathtaking disregard for history. Breathtaking disregard for history is uh, America. <laughs> America. We, we tear down every bit of history or anything that's old, go over to Europe, and they, they savor their history. That is kind of, <laughs> yeah, that is weird. All we do is tear everything cool down. The courthouses, we we're going to build a new one that's got better AC, and it's the most beautiful structure I've ever looked at. Like in Tyler, Texas, we had the most gorgeous courthouse in the state of Texas, and they knocked it down in the 30s or 40s and put up this 
eyesore of a shit box of a building that is just like the ugliest thing in Tyler, Texas. In Tyler, Texas, my hometown, the ugliest thing in that town is the courthouse, and the whole town would agree. <laughs> it's sad. You can do better, Tyler, Texas. You can do better. Let's get that old courthouse back and bring it back, you know? <laughs> All right, so next phrase is Nordic race doctrine. Jesus Christ. White Fang. Like that movie? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a Jack London book? Yeah. That's what that reminded me of when you said <laughs> that's just a Jack London. Smut becomes soapy at her touch. Hooking up after a sweaty show. <laughs> Do women come up to you regularly when you're covered in sweat? And how do you make that work? Because it is I, nasty. You have to tell them. You're always like, I'm sorry, I'm know, they, so sweaty. They want to hug but you. But they want to hug you. Like, and, like, this is nasty. And I'm like, your hand is covered in disgusting, salty sweat right now. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. They want to get in it. Get in that sweat. <laughs> All right, one more. <laughs> I like this game. What is this, a fucking, from a Southwest Airlines? No, I subscribe to the Atlantic Magazine. Okay. <laughs> it looks like a magazine from the Southwest Airlines. <laughs> what a, actually... Despite the underwhelming performance. Despite the underwhelming performance. I think of, like, Kanye West. Okay. Elaborate. Uh, how he can go on a rant and be so a little bit nutty like crazy in his head and he'll he thinks you know he's god sometimes and that's kind of weird he has those like church services like church services and shit really but weird. despite all that he is so fucking brilliant and badass and his music kicks fucking ass and just, I'm never not gonna like Kanye West no matter what he says really I mean like I just don't listen to it cause I don't wanna have a bias you know I do you identify with that place in the creative mind where madness 100% starts to create things that are beyond yeah and then some people don't know how to filter it like out right you know they just keep the madness in their mouth and then they say it and they're like their PR team is fucking shit and hammers you know <laughs> so that's, that's what happens a lot of people don't know the filter and don't know when to turn it off and that's the hardest part like I relate to that but you got to be mindful of sanity. Yeah. You got to stay, stay. You got to walk that line. Like you can let yourself go into a trance or into a vibe in art, but you can't let it consume your everyday life and being able to get a candy bar at the fucking grocery store. Mm. Like you can't be like, what? Why isn't this candy bar? You know, you can't just fucking take out all your anger or your, everything built up inside out on a regular routine walk, yeah, you know, or you gotta be able to shut it off. What is the main difference between the big velvet persona and your real Paul persona? Big velvet's had about eight cocktails. And Paul is right here, you know, enjoying this cold quiche and uh, really well-squeezed orange juice. It's appreciated when one is taken care of at a hotel. Yeah, right. Fieldhouse Jones. All right. Before you head out on the road for your Room 41 tour, how long is the tour? Forever, I think. Until I just, it's done. It's going to go for a while, a year, I think. We're going to just keep on hitting it really hard till we fall out. <laughs> Be like, okay, we're crispy, we are burnt bacon, and we're gonna go home <laughs> for a month or something. Usually January, yeah, we tone it down, mm-hmm. and that's when I get to kind of re reset the jetpacks and get ready to go again. Is there any show that you're looking forward to most? Man, uh, playing a bunch of these dates with Randy Hauser. Mm. I love that dude. He's fucking vocal powerhouse. We're doing a bunch of duets, and I'm looking forward to that. Is there one song or a snippet of a song from the new record that 
would lend itself to acapella translation that you can take us out with? Uh, yeah. Uh, you want me to go? Which song? Holy Ghost Fire. The opening track. All right, take us out with a little Holy Ghost Fire. I got the Holy Ghost Fire and it's burning in me. I got the Holy Ghost Fire burning in me. I got the Holy Ghost Fire and I'm burning down these streets. I got a sweet little baddie and she rolling in the caddy with me. I got a sweet little baddie rolling in the caddy with me. I got a whole lot of product for my Holy Ghost Mama and she making sweet eyes at me. Well, don't let me down, sweet mama. Oh, sweet mama, don't let me down. I'm an honest man, just dying to get you in the palm of my hand. Working the long gone plan. Yeah, man. Yeah. There you have it, the man, the legend himself, Paul Calvin, Big Velvet. You can go to paulcalthinmusic.com for his music and his tour dates. Uh, He's going to be playing all over the Southwest coming up in uh, Tucson, September 19th, and in Phoenix on September 20th, going to Palm Springs and Petaluma and Santa Cruz and San Luis Obispo. I think I might go up the coast and see that one because he's that rad. His newest record, Room 41 on Lightning Rod Records. Uh, You know what? Take off all your clothes, drink some wine, dance around to it. It's the most fun record I've listened to in five years. Uh, There's an amazing article on thebluegrasssituation.com written by Craig Shelburne. It's a conversation with Paul all about his influences and his wonderful Have Mercy EP. My Gang Dust Bowl Revival will be wrapping up the summer with some lovely festivals. Uh, September 21st, that's this weekend, at Bristol Rhythm and Roots Reunion on the Virginia-Tennessee border. And uh, then we'll be going over to Louisville, Kentucky to play Bourbon and Beyond, which is at the Bluegrass Situation stage with some of the fine folks who have been on this show, like Front Country and Birds of Chicago. And then uh, September 27th, we'll be at Boats and Bluegrass Fest in Winona, Minnesota, coming home on the early morning flight and playing outside L.A. at Huck Finn Jubilee in Ontario the 28th. And then we're going to Europe forever. So please check it out, DustBowlRevival.com. The Show on the Road is hosted by me, Zach Lupiton, and produced by the handsome Hawaiian Chris Jacobs with support from the Bluegrass Situation team. If you love The Show on the Road, please leave us a review or rating over at iTunes.com slash show on the road. Tell your friends, and also be sure to check out BGS's ever-growing collection of podcasts up right now on the bluegrasssituation.com. The Show on the Road is a part of the BGS Podcast Network. This is Zach Lupiton. See you on the trail.